Welcome everyone to Tamriel Adventures, a show that brings you information from all across the far reaches of Tamriel. I'm your host, Eric, a.k.a. Silior, and today we are going to be talking about a Daedric prince that really hates undead, and that would be Meridia. Uh, we will definitely get into that here in a bit. So, I uh, just wanted to take a moment and say that I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving, if you celebrate it. Um, if not, hopefully you did get some sort of time off. Um, I definitely needed the break from work. And, again, you know, anytime you get some time off like that, it's just never long enough. But, um, I guess that's what uh, Christmas and New Year's are for. Also, give you a little bit more of a break. But, yeah, um, hope everybody enjoyed the holiday, if you did have it. So, um, yeah, we'll get into talking about Meridia here in a second, but let's uh, talk a little bit about the news. There's not a lot out there right now. Um, there is a video that I forgot to put in the episode last time. Um, where Elder Scrolls Online is like, hey, you need a bit of a refresher on how to play ESO, or if you're just starting, here you go. Um, here's a video on how to get started. Um, so yeah, discovering or rediscovering everything in ESO in this new introductory video. So I will include that into the, into the show notes, easy for me to say. Um, there is uh, more information that's been released about Starfield. Um, so, yeah, I I, I uh, really would love to play Starfield, but I don't think it's going to be on Xbox One. But uh, Todd Howard critically or cryptically teases two big step-out moments in Starfield. So there is a video... On that, I am going to include that in the show notes, of course. Um, he kind of compares it to some of the things that were going on in the earlier days, uh, like when they were getting going on Morrowind. Um, so there are some similarities in how it feels in releasing Starfield uh, compared to how it was in the uh, earlier days when they were partnering with Microsoft for... Um, Morrowind. So I will, like I said, definitely include a link to this article uh, in the show notes. It's from PC Gamer. So um, uh, yeah, like I said, there's not a whole lot of uh, Elder Scrolls news right now. I guess Witcher 3 is getting some new DLC uh, with the Xbox Series X and PS5. Mostly cosmetics, like some new outfits, things like that. So it's cool that Witcher is still getting some content added to it. Um, there's some more news about Quake. So I guess Quake is getting some new content added to it also. In the form of a horde mode. I guess what they're kind of doing is adding fan-made mods to the game. Kind of like the creation club with fallout 4 and skyrim so that's kind of cool so i do enjoy quake like i said i played a little bit of it it's on the switch now i believe as well as the xbox game pass so if you've got game pass uh definitely check out 
Quake. It, it's a lot like uh, Doom and Wolfenstein. Cause it, I think it was released around the same time, but it's got a little charm to it in its own right. Other than that, uh, Fallout for Hope is now going on right now. It's something that Kenneth Vigu from the Chad podcast, Chad Fallout 76 podcast, uh, does every year where they raise money for St. Jude and other children's hospitals. Um, a lot of Fallout streamers, um, friends of the show, are taking part in that. So if you are able to definitely donate to Fallout for Hope, it's a great cause. And yeah, that is really it as far as the news. So let's get into my gameplay and then we will talk Meridia. So I have definitely been playing Skyrim. I've been getting used to the fishing mechanic more. Uh, It did take me a minute to... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> get used to that because I kept pulling the line too early. You kept getting nibbles, and I'm like, oh, oh, time to pull the line in now. Um, encountered some more uh, Creation Club mods. Like, there is a mod that adds a player house where you get an invitation to a dinner party, and it turns out that they're vampires. And so I actually had to thank God I had a uh, cure disease potion on me because it's the lesser strand of vampirism. I think it's Sanguinis Vampiris or something like that. It's not the Vampire Lord strand. So, uh, yeah, that's not the one that I would have wanted. Um, let's see. Other than that, I still need to do Saints and Seducers. I need to hop on that mod, too. Um, but, yeah, the, definitely enjoying the Creation Club content. I did start a new character just to see because like i said when i first uh, got back into this and added all the creation club content i disabled all my mods and i had a mod for an alternate start and i wanted to check that out and it's kind of cool um it doesn't just add one alternate start it adds a lot and you get to choose which one you want or you can say surprise me and I said, surprise me, I, I made a, a Khajiit character. And it was a start where you start out as a part of a bandit clan. And you kind of get fed up with them because they kind of lost their mojo. Like they're not attacking anybody or anything like that. So you're just like, you know what, I'm going to strike out on my own as an adventurer. But there is, I want to say probably up to like 10 different um, origins or starts to the game. And this one kind of puts you at a bandit camp right outside of Morthal. Well, I guess not right outside of Morthal, but pretty close to Morthal. And basically, when you start, all of the bandits that are in your clan attack you. And you got to fight your way out of it. So it's pretty fun. Um, I might start up some other tunes just to see what the rest of them are like. I'm gonna stick with the character that I started, though. My, uh, Dunmer character with the rest of the Creation Club stuff. I just kinda wanted to see what the alternate starts were like. Like, the alternate start mod. Because I'd had this mod for a bit, but I downloaded it after I, um had my character that I started before I did the Creation Club. So I never uh, 
<laughs> experienced all these new starts, I just kept starting the vanilla one, which it does give you the option to use the vanilla start if you want to, but everybody's seen that already. It's a meme at this point. Like every, <laughs> there's so many memes out there where it's like you start out somewhere else and then you get knocked out and you wake up and you see Rayloff like, hey, you're finally awake. So anyway, um, yeah, that's a lot of what I've been playing as far as Elder Scrolls. I have been playing um, the Deadlands DLC and I kind of got stuck at this one spot where it wants you to go through this gate but or go through where this gate is but the gate is locked so you're trying to find a way around it and i can't fucking find a way around it i need to look up a gameplay video just to figure out what the hell to do it's kind of frustrating but i'll get there um, other than that, I've been playing a lot of Mass Effect, and I actually finished Mass Effect 3. So I have now finished the Legendary Edition game, and I wanted to use do the destroy um, ending, but the ending kind of confused me as to how you make that choice. I had to go back and redo it. And so I got the synchronization ending. I'm not going to go into details with it. If you've played Mass Effect 3, you know. But um, yeah, I went back and did the destroy ending. Um, there's, I think, four different endings. It just showed me three, but I'm, according to Taylor at the Element Zero Pod, there's four different endings that you can get. And I saw three options. Once I figured out what to do, because it looked like a linear path, but no. Um, I guess I'm not going to get into it, but if you know, you know. So I've started playing Mass Effect Andromeda, and I'm a few hours into that, and it's been fun too. It's just taken me a minute to get used to the different controls because they changed the controls a little bit going from the original trilogy to Andromeda, so... Anyway, that is really about it as far as my gameplay. Uh, of course, there's still Fallout 76, but I've been enjoying my scorecation. I've just kind of been popping in and getting my um, daily claim from the uh, Atom Shop. So they've started putting out holiday, like Christmas stuff, and I've got about 500 plus Atoms that I can spend. So I always like saving my Atoms for the Christmas stuff. So. New scoreboard starts December 8th, so yeah, um, that'll be fun. But I guess it's, uh, yeah, um, yeah, Scorecation's got it like five days left for me. So anyway, I am going to quit rambling and then we will, um, sw let's switch over to the main segment and talk about Meridian. Alright guys, so let's talk Meridia. So, as with most of these Adra and Daedra articles from the UESP, there's a quote here. It's, uh, it's from Meridia herself, and it says, Reality is a game, mortal. Learn to play or reassign yourself to becoming one of the pieces that is meant to be sacrificed. So, basically saying, uh, shape up or you'll get, you're gonna be done. 
Um, I tried to find an audio file for the Meridia quote from Skyrim, you know, a new hand has touched my beacon, um, that quote that everybody knows, and all the stuff I was finding were links to mods for Skyrim that make Meridia's voice louder, or, you know, something else, and so that's not what I'm looking for. So anyway, I tried, but I thought that would be fun to include, but you know, what can you do? So anyway, let's talk about Meridia. I guess that that quote that um, it shows here, you know, it says reality is a game mortal is from uh, ESO through one of uh, Meridia's shrines in ESO. So anyway, Meridia is known also as the Lady of Infinite Energies, the Bright Lady the strict but fair arbiter of inner luminous, the sunfire, the radiant one, the keeper, the lady of light, the prince of life, and is the prince of life and light associated, excuse me, with energies of living things, which is probably why she doesn't like the undead, if she's associated with the energy of living things. So the sunburst is her symbol, and she has a great and everlasting hatred for the undead, as I mentioned, and will greatly reward anyone who eliminate them from the world, which is basically what she has you do in Skyrim, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. So as such, Meridia has a reputation for benevolence and is one of the few Daedric princes who's usually not considered to be wholly evil. Her day of summoning is the 13th of Morningstar. So in spite of this, she is referred to as the Glister Witch, or the Lady of Greed by those who view her less than favorably. Favorably, I don't know why that was so hard to say. And um, she has a habit of collecting live human specimens to sedate or satate said greed. To her enemies, Meridia is known for her violent loathing of disorder, irrational anger towards entities she deems impure, and hatred of mortal free will and defiance. As with most princes, Meridia sees mortals as assets, primarily for use as a means to an end. Meridia can bestow upon mortals immortality at the cost of their will, becoming those known as the purified, Slaves to her command, cleansed of disease, death, and free will. People who join the ranks of the purified are both those that willingly pledge to serve Meridia and the unwilling, such as those that defy her. Meridia also granted immortality to her champion, Umoral the Unfeathered, which if you uh, remember the Iliad episode, you should remember that name he is the antagonist of the knights of the nine dlc for oblivion um so yeah umarol the unfeathered the ancient alien enemy of pelina whitestrake and her orans and umarol returned during the time of the oblivion crisis to seek vengeance on the divines which i talked about just a second ago so meridia originally known as merid nunda was believed to have been one of the Magnagi, a family of divine beings that fled to the to Aetherius soon after the creation of Mundus. For supposedly consorting with illicit spectra, 
She was cast out of Aetherius and took the mantle of a Daedric prince. She is the matron of light from Magnus the Sun. The colored rooms are inhabited by Orans and Golden Saints. We'll talk about the colored rooms here in a little bit. So, uh, Meridia can, in some sense, alter the rate at which time flows forward. For Meridia, time is said to be relative, and her priestesses have been known to grant time-altering blessings. The goddess has also been known to offer her champions the chance to experience alternate timelines through the power of the light of Meridia. Her sphere of energy and life often brings her into direct conflict with many of the other princes of Oblivion. The most notable example of these are her feuds with uh, Molag Ball. So, yeah, she seems to be in eternal battle with Molag Ball. And that actually comes into play in ESO. During the waning days of the Aeliad Empire, Meridia would be responsible for the destruction of Mola Gabal's worshipping. That is spelled funny. I don't know why. It's spelled Mola Gabal. Um, so thank you, US, UESP, for being a little confusing there. So it's an Aeliad city of... Um, there's also an alien city of Abagarlas. She also commanded her knights in the Meridia city, worshipping alien city of Delodil, to invade after discovering a great and terrible weapon known as Mortem Vivicus. And it was gifted to Abagarlas by the Lord of Dominion himself. This feud would continue well into the Second Era, where Meridia's assistance was instrumental in stopping Molagbal's plane meld. Uh, which, like I said, we will definitely talk about that in a little bit. So denizens of Molagbal's realm of Cold Harbor refer to Meridia as the Shining Bitch, uh, which is a wonderful name, and her worshippers are often locked away and tortured within the lightless ob- oblet. I think it's how you pronounce that. Other notable enemies are Nocturnal, who once drained Meridia of her power in a quest to rewrite reality, and Ebonarm, the god of war who dislikes most Daedric princes. So let's uh, let's, yeah, let's talk more about how different cultures view Meridia. And, uh, yeah, as you could probably hear, I've got my cat on my lap here, so he will stop screaming at me. So let's talk about the Khajiit, speaking of cats. So uh, ancient texts claim that Merinunda, which Merinunda, which I mentioned was Meridia's original name, uh, false spirit of greed, the orphaned glimmer, is the daughter of Ma- Magris, which I would think to be Magnus, the Khajiiti aspect of Magnus, who loved only himself and his own creations. So Magris did not take a mate, but instead forged children of the ether. Meridnunda is a cold spirit born of born of light without love. She is intellect without wisdom, knowledge, and, and knowledge without purpose. She is the consort of demons, and some songs blame her for orchestrating the death of the mighty Lorkaj. When Meridnunda dared assault the Latisse with the intent of 
with with intent being the first to do so along with Dagon and Molag. Azurag struck her down before the Verulance Gate and dragged her away from it. She then cast Merudunda into the void and bound her there with mirrors. Nomads say that she has since escaped. Modern Khajiit may not acknowledge Merudunda's myths, as the Riddlethar cult altered and removed many of their deities, followed by the creation of the Elsewhere Confederacy. She is not mentioned in modern, the modern creation story told by the clan mother Anissi. So let's talk about the Aliads. We talked about the Aliads earlier a bit. Meridia was an extremely important figure for the Aliads as she was considered to be the personification of the fourth element of light. Aliads often depict Meridia with wings of, and a cowl, which is usually how you see her shrines. So Meridia is the patron deity of Garlis Malader, which is a city built along the Gold Coast. I, that sounds really familiar. You probably go there in oblivion at some point. Its ruler, King Narlamor, was a devout worshiper of Meridia who dedicated his life and city to her veneration. He was considered a favorite of the Daedric princes, second only to her champion, Umeril the Unfeathered. She gifted the city with a relic as the guiding light, which shone above the city with her unquenchable light. It was a literal and metaphorical beacon, visible for a great distance. All right, let's talk about how she is worshipped by the people of Skyrim. So Meridia has a temple on Mount Kilcrete whose priests were hospitable and more than willing to provide travelers with food and warm beds. The temple's caretakers closed its doors to conduct secret rites during the feasts of High and Low Sun. While many of the local Nords in nearby solitude found Meridia's worship to be heretical, heretical however you pronounce that word, the temple was more or less left alone. So yeah, you when you play Skyrim, Meridia's shrine is really close to solitude. So rumors hold that Direfrost dire flame and torch of airs, ancient relics of the Direfrost clan, were created by Meridia to distress the Daedra. So um, yeah, she's basically just trying to piss other Daedra off, I guess. So, Meridia cultists adorn their armor with patterns resembling scales, wings, and rays of light, true to the motifs present in Meridian imagery. Flowing lines, which represent the energy of Meridia, are a common form of symbolism. Mastery of motion is a cornerstone in the fighting techniques of those revering Meridia. As such, supple leather that allows for easy movement is a hallmark in Meridian cultists' leg armor. Light and vibration affect crystals, so Meridian cultists carry crystals into battle, believing it allows Meridia to bless their moves directly. Their weapons are designed to snap skeleton bones and deal utmost damage to the necromancers, some of Meridia's enemies. Yeah, Meridia hates necromancers. So, alright, let's talk about things that Meridia has actually done in recorded history. So, let's start with the First Era. There's a picture here of the Hollow City. So long ago, a city existed on upon Nern, which was devoted to Meridia. Meridia's gifted her Meridia gifted her people the lights of Meridia, a relic whose power protected the cities and made life easier for its inhabitants. Molagbal sent minions from Cold Harbor to destroy it, 
but warriors and mages of the city managed to seal the gates and protect everyone within. Everyone outside the gates were slaughtered. The alien king, Lelorian Dinar, which we've mentioned in a few episodes now, was visiting the city and he quickly took command of the city's defenses. The alien king single-handedly protected the gates as he fought and prayed and Meridia answered. She felt compassion for her worshippers, but also saw an opportunity. Molag Ball's portal worked both ways. She filled the she filled the lights of Meridia with even more divine power and warded the city and pushed it into Cold Harbor. The lights of Meridia and the city's inhabitants were scattered across Cold Harbor when the cities entered the realm. Many of the city's inhabitants were captured or slain, and the lights were stolen by the minions of Molag Ball. Despite the fact that not all of her people survived, Meridia still accomplished a major feat. She had sent a portion of her realm into Molag Ball's domain, and he could not touch it. This tactic would pay off in the years to come. I wonder if this is why Mangar Cameron confused Cold Harbor as being Meridia's realm. So when he's going on that long rant in Oblivion, when you're in his paradise about to go kill him, he's talking about how Tamriel is really just another realm of Oblivion attributed to Lorcan, I believe. And he mentioned the Cold Harbor of Meridia, which Cold Harbor is actually Malak Ball's realm, but I wonder if this is why he had he was a, a bit confused. So there's more here for the first era, so let's talk about the Twilight of the Aliens. So sometime after the Alessian Slave Rebellion, various alien kingdoms launched into a desperate search for the fabled Wrathstone, which they believed would lead them to a weapon that would would be their salvation against the encroaching forces of the Alessian Empire. And that weapon happens to be, give me just a second here, uh, dragons. So dragons were that weapon. Uh, that's a great weapon to be able to wield if you're able to control them. So an expedition marched, marched to the Dwemer city of Mzulift, I think it, it, it must be a silent M here, Mzulift, <laughs> whatever, um, in the hold of the East March of Skyrim, where it was rumored that the Rastone was held. The Aliads besieged Mzulift, but failed to breach it or retrieve the artifact. At the time, the Aliads were not aware that the Dwemer not only possessed the left half of the Rastone and the half that was stored at the was stored not at Zulift, but at nearby Kagnrazil. After the failure of the raid of, on Zulift, Meridia appeared to her faithful with a cryptic warning that the Aeliad Empire would soon fall, and gifted the right half of the Rathstone to the gate, sorry, to the city of Garlus Malater, which I mentioned earlier. At the time, Garlus Malater was ruled by King Narlamor, who was one of the one of Meridia's most devout and favorite adherents after Umeril the Unfeathered. To keep his piece of the Wrathstone safe, Narlamor did not provide aid or any asylum to the desperate alien refugees from the other kingdoms and had them locked out of his city. The inhabitants of Garlus Malater were not heard of again. 
Although Garlis Malater was eventually besieged by men, some accounts have suggested that the attackers did not make it to the city, to inside of, Mor- of Nalamore City. I don't know why that was so hard to say. Before it collapsed into ruin, it was suggested that the city fell from within, brought down by internal conflict or sabotage. So that is the first era. Let's talk about the second era, where I said that Meridia was definitely involved. So there's a picture here of Meridia, and she is attacking a an anchor uh, from Molag Ball. So during the plain meld of the and the Three Banners War, Cyrodiil was left in ruins, and the provinces were divided by the few. That were, that were left to oppose the invading Deogra. Meridia and her servant seize all colors, who is a member of the Fighters Guild. Yeah, assassinate, uh, seize all colors, uh, assassinate the leader of the Fighters Guild in order to assume the role of Grandmaster. After, under the Daedra command, funded by the wealth of Meridia's worshippers, the guild began refusing all other contracts and focused its efforts on destroying Dark Anchors and opposing Moag Ball schemes. So, um, I have not played that far into the Fighters Guild, but apparently Meridia is directly involved in this in the Fighters Guild story in ESO. So, uh, the five companions were reformed following the prophesied arrival of the Vestige, who freed the companions from Ball's clutches and reclaimed the Amulet of Kings defeating Manamarco in the process. So yeah, what I know of Meridia's involvement in ESO is it mainly comes from the main quest line where you actually deal with Meridia in person toward the end of it. So um, Meridia disguises herself as a mortal and basically calls her Cold Harbor, calls herself uh, the gardener in Cold Harbor. So Meridia welcomed the Vestige along with the Fighters and Mages Guilds into the Hollow City, where she, which she had thrown into Cold Harbor in years past. She allowed them to plot their assault on Molagbal's citadel within the walls, and Meridia waited within her city as King Valorian Dinar um, and the Lights of Meridia returned to her city. When the guilds finally invaded Molagbal's fortress, Meridia personally manifested in the Planar Vortex to destroy it. She erected a force field to prevent Molagbal from harming the Warriors of Light as they destroyed the Dark Anchors within the Vortex. The power of the Light of Meridia was unleashed at the focal point of the Vortex, and the Planar Vortex was destroyed. The Vortex, or sorry, the Vestige, I almost started saying the Vortex. The Vestige later faced Molagbal at the seat of his power and defeated him. I'm sure everybody probably saw that coming, so I don't think anybody would care if I spoiled that. This released untold measures of souls from the prince's grasp. Meridia plucked the hero's soul as it escaped the realm and allowed the Vestige to reunite with it in the colored rooms. So yeah, you get to see... Not just Meridia in person, but you get to visit her realm of oblivion for a short time. So here, let's talk about the Triad once again. So Meridia sent her Golden Knight to foil the Triad's plan. This is talking about, I think, the events of Somerset. So the Knight was kidnapped by the agents of Mafala, and the Dawnbreaker was shattered. 
The Vestige sought Meridia's aid in repairing the blade, and Meridia added to its power, enabling it to be used by her... used to locate her knight. So when you're going through Somerset, you're, you'll find her golden knight, and he eventually dies, unfortunately. And so you're left to take up the... Um, power of the Dawnbreaker yourself and drive back Nocturnal. So, yeah, that, I guess spoilers for the Somerset DLC. So, that is how she is involved in the second era. So, yeah, you also uh, deal with her a little bit in the Somerset chapter, but not, you don't really see her in person there. So, let's talk about the third era. Murdia has gifted many different Daedric artifacts for champions over the years, though some of these relics are associated with other Daedric princes. We've talked about that. Sometime around 3rd Era 405, which is the events of Daggerfall. So, um, an agent of the Blades received a ring, the Ring of Khajiiti from Murdia after defeating a sorcerer who betrayed her. In 4th Era 433, which is the events of Oblivion, so I guess she doesn't make an appearance in Morrowind, uh, Meridia charged the Champion of Cyrodiil with the task of destroying necromancers who were raiding tombs for corpses to raise an army of the undead, and again, in return for this ring. The same hero also defeated her champion, Umaril the Unfeathered, who had returned from Oblivion after his defeat in the First Era, which I mentioned earlier. And now, finally, the fourth era, so which is probably what people know the most <laughs> when they think of Murdia. This is what they think of the most. So, Murdia offered the Dawnbreaker to the last Dragonborn in Fourth Era 201 in return for her for helping her cleanse her temple of vampires. Um, I thought it was vampires, but no, 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 it's a necromancer. So I apologize. So yeah, uh, necromancer is in her temple and is doing a bunch of experiments to uh, with uh, shades and corpses of the desecrated. So, yeah. Um, I like Dawnbreaker. Uh, we'll talk about it here in a minute. So, actually, um, it is the first artifact in the list here. So, Dawnbreaker is a Daedric artifact created by the Daedric Prince Meridia, obviously. It was forged in a holy light that breaks upon the prince's foes. In appearance, it is an ebony longsword containing a distinctive light-emitting crystal, and its uh, crossguard is known as the Dawnstar Gem. It was created with the intention of burning away the corruption of false light, and as such, it is particularly effective against Meridia's foes. So if you're using it on an undead, um, like a draugr or a zombie, if, depending on what game you're playing, or you know a vampire or something like that um when some sometimes when these enemies die there is a fiery explosion that affects the rest of those undead that are around it so it apparently can also be used on daedra and werewolves so let's talk about the ring of the khajiit or ring of khajiiti depending on what game you're playing so it is an ancient Daedric artifact, many centuries old, dating back to the Second Era. We talked about this in another episode, uh, Mafala. So um, the ring was originally owned by Mafala until it was stolen off her arm by Rajin, which we talked about in the last episode. So basically, 
Yeah, it, it um, <laughs> he even used it to steal a tattoo from somebody's neck, which I don't know how that's possible. So, yeah, it's a, a pretty cool ring. Uh, makes you invisible, silent, and quick. So let's talk about the Opal Charm. So the Opal Charm is an artifact associated with Meridia, and it has been enchanted to pull light directly from her realm of the colored rooms. This light is capable of temporarily manifesting physical objects when mastered, reflecting its creator's obsession for conformity. The ring, uh, sorry, the charm also unifies the life force of the artifact bearer and its followers, not allowing any to die till the wearer is slain. In appearance, it is engraved, engraved with an egg-sized opal that is cast in gold and hung around a chain. Even when inactive, it is capable of illuminating an entire shrine. So that's, uh, yeah, I guess it gives off a, a white spell. And finally, let's talk about the Prismic Ore. Sorry, uh, I guess there's one after this. So the Prismic Ore is a powerful crystal that is powered by the Prismic Weapon, Prismatic Weapon, created by the willing sacrifices of many priestesses of Meridia. It was given to the forces of the alien city of Delanil, Delandil, destroyed by Mortum Vivicus. The destruction of Abergarlus was, was successful, but the weapon was ruined in the attempt. The crystal powering it was salvaged, although drained of its power, and five alien heroes set out to the Dwemer ruin of Zendelt. I think there's another uh, silent M there, Zen, Zendelt to hide the crystal so that the forces of Molag Ball could not find it. The priestess Valsha sacrificed herself to repower the crystal, with the rest of the heroes giving their lives to safeguard. It was later discovered in the by the Fighters Guild in Secondary 582, which is the events of ESO, and reforged into the prismic, prismatic weapon. I keep wanting to say prismic. The prismatic weapon was used by the guild's champions to destroy Mortem Vivicus once and for all. So finally, let's talk about the beacon. So Meridia's beacon is a magical magna geode-shaped stone associated with Meridia. The Lady of Infinite Energies is known to speak to those in possession of the beacon, as we all know, and uses it to influence and compel those who hold on to the beacon. So, yeah, there's not much other than that, although for whatever reason it was a big part of Meridia's story in Skyrim. So, finally, let's talk about the colored rooms. So, you do get to see the colored rooms briefly in ESO, but... It's really hard to understand what you're looking at when you see it. So the colored rooms are a many-faceted realm of oblivion created and ruled over by Meridia, known as the Jadic Prince of Infinite Energies. From what little has been seen of the colored rooms, they seem to resemble a cross between a coral reef and a vast field of floating stones that are strewn and with colorful trails of dust or cloud. The quote-unquote ground between the stones looks like luminescent water, but it's solid enough to walk on, and the skies are described as floating effluvium, oceans of crimson. Aurorans and their war horses are spawn of Meridia that reside in the colored rooms, being made of pure light and have skin tones of virtually any hue. 
Golden saints are also purported to reside in the realm. The colored rooms have been described by those who have seen, who have been there as pretty boring, aside from Rudia's lectures, which are <laughs> described to be pretty boring as well. Um, yeah, like I said, it's really hard to understand what you're seeing when you're in the colored rooms, but um, you do get to visit it briefly at the end of the ESO main quest. So, yeah, there you go. So, that is really it as far as Meridia. Um, this is, I guess this is one of the shorter Daedric Prince episodes. But, um, yeah, uh, definitely not one you would want to cross. Um, so, I guess don't get on Murdia's bad side. Don't become a necromancer or anything like that unless you want to incur her wrath. Um, although, funny enough, there is a necromancer build in ESO. Uh, my main character is actually a necromancer, and I worked on Cider to stop Molag Ball, so take for that what you will. So, I'd like to thank the Hive, as always, for sponsoring this podcast if you would like to get a hold of me you can find me on twitter and instagram my main page is uh, my sorry the show's main page is tamrielic p and you can find me personally at iangold08 you can also email the show if you so choose at Podcast at gmail.com I do stream on Twitch occasionally. It's twitch.tv slash And you can also find me at my other shows. So I just put out an episode of Nintendo today on Breath of the Wild and Age of Calamity. And it was fun. Pretty fun. Um, I brought a guest onto the show, uh, one of my longtime friends, Amanda, who I worked with for a little while. And, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely check it out. Uh, we're coming to the end of the Zelda series. There's only a couple more episodes that I'm probably going to do on Zelda. I'm probably going to do an episode on uh, Triforce Heroes, and then I'm going to do the CDI games. So, yeah, um, it's definitely been fun. And then, of course, there is Tapes from the Waste, which we talk about Fallout lore. There should be a mini-sode coming out on Mothman pretty soon so definitely be on the lookout for that so um next up for this show is going to be the i guess antagonist of or one of the antagonists of meridia molag ball which we did talk about a little bit in this episode so be on the lookout for that and um yeah send me whatever ideas you have for the patreon still uh looking into that so anyway as always stay safe adventurers Thank you.